It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. This is your first episode of the Cultural Hall. Well, what we do is we talk about things in and around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you're wondering maybe uh, sometimes as you listen to an episode, how does this fit in with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I, I promise you this. There is always some sort of connection. Sometimes it's a really, really, really slight connection. And sometimes it's just something that we justify so that we can talk about the particular story. But it always comes back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, my name is Richie T. And here as we start this episode, normally we do uh, what's called the Temple Ticker, which is all about temples of the church. Uh, we do that in a last part of an episode. But because we haven't talked with Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself, in such a long time, as the scriptures say, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So we make him the first segment of this episode. How are you, Corey? Doing great. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, see? Like, just <laughs> just, just shy of making you a future leader of the church. I don't know. I went, to a, I went to a conference, a podcast conference. And though this is a show available in podcast form, some of the things that I learned that I don't do is that I need to give context because there are always new people listening. And so I wanted to make sure that I get that out and oh look look forward to it guys there's other changes coming. Um we talk all about the temples we call it the temple ticker. It's been a while since we've chatted which means we've got lots and lots of news to get to. So take me where you will. Where are we going? Yeah, as promised, um coming off the summer vacation, August is a busy week or a busy month for um temple stuff. Um there's a temple dedication on uh, August 13th, uh, the Saratoga Springs Utah Temple was dedicated. It is the 179th temple to be dedicated, and it's the 18th in Utah. And so, yeah, President uh, Henry B. Iron was there. Uh, he dedicated it. And then, just as a funsy, the night before, there was a YSA fun run that was right before the dedication. So, And that fun run is part of that huge like YSA 20,000 or 50,000 strong different events that they did here in the state of Utah, right? Concert with um, like One Republic and some people from The Voice or American Idol and all these different things. There was a big fireside as part of it. Coincidence, was the run anywhere near the Saratoga Springs Temple? It started there at the temple. I think it ended there at the temple too. So kind oh. of went around the neighborhood. Oh, very cool. They know what they're yeah. doing then, it sounds like. Yeah, I think there was about 5,000 people that participated. Um, cool. The city councilor, Kristen Yee, was the kind of the person that was there to kick it off and she ran there too so do you do you do much running are you a runner Corey k ward um i dabbled in it during the pandemic when all the gyms closed but after that i just kind of stopped <laughs> you said no thanks <laughs> uh, i'm i'll pass i uh i shared this with you because it is temple related so one of the coolest experiences that i've ever had in my entire life that i don't think i've ever shared before okay. uh, was involved running and a temple so i'll tell you briefly Maybe I'll get into it longer in some other episode or something like that. But uh, I got to serve my mission in the Cleveland mission. Kirtland was part of it. And we were, I think maybe I was a zone leader or maybe the zone leaders had us come up. I'm not sure. I don't remember that part of it. But I got to stay the night at one of the historic homes in Kirtland because that's just where the missionaries live back then. Okay. I don't think yeah. that's the case now, now that they have like the Kirtland village. And I remember uh, myself. And one of the other elders, don't remember who that is, but we decided, you know what we want to do? We want to get up and we want to run early in Kirtland. 
when no one is essentially awake, right? <laughs> it's not yeah. a it's not a very busy road anyway. I mean, it's busy-ish, but it's you know. So we get up, and and I can't describe it because you know it'll sound like I'm just making stuff up. But I I honestly, when I was running, it was like the town was alive at the time of the Prophet Joseph Smith, and, and it's not like I saw like ghosts or spirits or anything like that. But I, but it was like, it was like I was in the town and part of the time, you know, like there was a, a, a flurry about the temple. There were people going to, and again, I didn't see it. I can't explain it. One, oh, yeah. of, the, one of the coolest experiences that I've ever it's early, had. Early mornings. In my life. They bring your mind to different places. Yeah, it was cool. Very, very cool. And then 5,000 young single adults were there at the end of my run. So it was very <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Very similar to that. Uh, any reason why Elder Iring was the one that dedicated? Obviously, because he's in the you know first presidency. But I mean, does he have any sort of connection? Or sometimes with these temple dedications, they grew up there. They served a mission there. They well, Soto Springs is a relatively new community. You know, mm -hmm. no one lived there 15 years ago. So, um, but it was one of the na the last batches of temples to be announced by President Monson. So maybe having President Iring there, who was you know from the the first presidency of President Monson, maybe that was kind of a kind of a closing thing. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I'll t I'll take that. Uh, we get to some temple open houses beginning and now you know smack in the middle of it. Uh, it's my favorite expletive temple because when you say the name of it, it sounds like you're really angry. What a rumor! That's right. Um, the temple in Yuba City that's called the Feather River California Temple. Um, it opened, um, and it will be open until September 9th for the open um, house. For the open house, yes. Um, and then dedicated in October. Um, one of the big, uh, I guess, themes of this temple is that this Yuba City is a really diverse religious community. So they had, you know, everyone from all these walks of life there. Um, it's also really notable that um, the church has stayed in contact with this um, Sikh or Sikh family that um, sold the property to the church when they originally built the meeting house in the 1970s, I think. And um, they were ecstatic when they heard that they were going to build a temple there. So they, the family of that individual that owned the land was there to tour the temple and many other people in that community also were there. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting. There's a huge piece about it because the people that actually like sold the land, I think they're dead and gone. It's the either children or grandchildren of those individuals. And they're like, how do you how do you feel that they're building a temple? And, and I'm going to take them at their word in that it like it mattered to them quite a bit. Like, you know, we're grateful to have this community and, you know, man, the fact that we had the land or whatever. But when I first saw the article, uh, what I thought was. Of course, these people are going to be ecstatic. The church paid them a lot of money for the land you know, <laughs> 50 years ago. How do you guys sure. feel about this? Great. We haven't, you know, we invested that money and we haven't had to work in a long time or that paid for all of our kids to go to college. We feel great. Whatever. That's great. Put a, put a temple there. What? What's a temple? Go ahead. But that's my cynical, horrible nature of being a human being that I am. I'm just going to take you to their word that they, they like the religious diversity of Yuba City. <laughs> that's okay. Um, something unique about this temple is that they they have a grove of olive trees that they've transported to the grounds of the temple. The olive trees are like over a hundred years old. Wow. Um, also, the temple has a lot of arches. Um, definitely, you can see that from the outside of the temple and the plaza, um, like the 
the celestial room, the endowment rooms are all like arched themed. So you have that, you have um, the California poppy, the almond blossoms, all that um, stuff for the designs. Is there any um, significance as to what uh, olive orchard that those trees came from? Or is it just the symbolism of the olive? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got homework then. Uh, Now (laughs) we go to Texas. Texas. um, The Rio Grande Valley. Um, The McAllen Texas Temple opened. We'll also be open until September 9th for tours. Um, uh, Missionaries came to this area in the 1920s, actually. Um, Spanish-speaking missionaries. And so... Actually, in today, all this, the stakes in McAllen, Brownsville area, they have more Spanish-speaking congregations than English ones. Hmm. And then there's an additional three stakes, or four stakes on the Mexican side, so to, to also complement the three stakes on the Texas side. So this temple district takes three stakes from the United States and four from Mexico that feed into this? Is that how that works? Likely. Um, it may as we saw for many years in the San Diego temple, um, it's hard for Mexican citizens to sometimes get across the border to attend the temple. So they may end up still going to Monterey, uh, which is several hours away rather than just across the river. But yeah, this was um, part of the same Valley. I don't know this at all. And I don't suspect that you do either, but I wonder if there is differences in uh, religious observations. If you want to come in for a religious reason, as far as you know, citizens of a different country coming into the United States, or like because it's like, look, that building—that's where I'm going. You can you can look. I'm going from this place right here to that building. Take my keys. I'll be back this afternoon. Like, I wonder if there's ever things like that. Really, like, sure, that's fine. Go, go. It's right there. Of course, come back. Or if it is just as strict with that as everything else. Yeah, I mean, it still requires a passport, which is well, sure, it's still hard to obtain. And you have to get a visa to go to the United States. So even just for trips like that. So mm-hmm. it may just be easier for other people to take a bio-op or bus ride to another temple. Uh, but yeah, we saw the interior of the temple. Um, it's a Spanish colonial theme. So one of the more unique temples in the United States, I would say, um, for that. You use a lot of citrus blossoms, um, scrolls, ribbons, and then they're called quatrefoils, which is kind of like a... Um, it kind of looks like a flower with four sides, basically. Like a clover? A little bit. <laughs> you see it in the, um, like in the the window in the celestial room. You see it in the plaza. Cool. And then by you the way, also we, see a lot. go ahead. I was just going to say, and you'll find uh, links to all of these, by the way, in the show notes. So if you're like, wait, I want to see this, just click on the links in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, you see a lot of greens and blues. Um, you see a lot of blue bonnets, which is the state flower of Texas. So uh, we go to the uh, Bangkok, Thailand temple, which uh, also some young single adult connection there as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's opening this week for uh, media and VIP tours. And before the media even got to go into the temple, um, a group of about 375 young single adults were able to be the first to tour the temple with Elder Gong, who was there to head off the open house. Which is pretty significant when you think about... Um... You know, the opportunity to go through the temple with an apostle, that seems pretty cool. Um, I wonder, and I don't actually wonder, it feels like the church making uh, a greater push with the youth and temples, especially now that temples are more available, where we used to have the cultural celebrations around the temple, and that would bring the youth to the temple. I think that 
they're kind of saying, well, that was great and all, but maybe we should, you know, teach them about why it's so important and what we do in the temple rather than, you know, these people came here. Can you sing their songs? Can you, <laughs> can you, you know, yeah. can less you about the costumes? leaders and more yeah. about them. Yeah, that's a good thought. Um, so yeah, later that afternoon, another gong led um, some, some media and government people. The governor of Bangkok was there as well as the former governor of Bangkok, who's actually a member of the church, attended BYU and everything. Interesting. Yeah. And then they also um, interviewed the construction manager who joined the church um, in the process of building the temple. So he has a unique story. Um, also, the Salih Tribune, uh, Peggy Pleasure Stack, religion writer, um, wrote a piece about the Bangkok temple, which I think is worth looking at. She looks at the history of missionary work in the in Thailand, going back to the 1970s, she revisits the the Buddha de- desecration incident, which happened and really um, kind of hindered church growth for a decade or so. Do you know that story well enough to tell it in like a 10 second version? Yeah, some just like six missionaries were assigned to Thailand from the Hong Kong mission. Um, some of them go to visit a, a Buddha temple and two of them like sit on the head. They take some pictures the pictures get out to a newspaper and then there's a, just a big cry of like, what are these Mormons doing in our country desecrating our temples? Hmm. And so, yeah, it took a little bit to recover from that. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, and then you have uh, some interesting things about the interior photos about that temple as well. Yeah. Well, the temple is actually one of the tallest temples um, in the top two or three tallest temples. It's almost as tall as Washington, D.C. Wow. 250 feet. Um, it's about, I think, six stories um, tall. So kind of a it's in a very urban area next to a metro station. Um, it looks a lot like um, one of the most famous buildings in Thailand, which is the Wat Aran, I guess is what you say. Um, it has um, one kind of central tower with eight smaller spires around it. Hmm. And then similar to what they did in Paris, they put a Christ statue out in the courtyard of that. And in the interior, they used a lot of diamond shapes, lotus flowers, as well as the her- herringbone pattern, which is kind of like, it looks like a woven leaf pattern so you see that all around the the temple and the the woodwork and everything it's significant to note and i'm surprised that you didn't Corey, um that the bangkok thailand temple a fulfillment of prophecy i'm uh, sure yeah 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 but you didn't mention it um might i quote (laughs) a small portion of the prophecy uh, about the bangkok temple to you go ahead bangkok oriental setting and the city don't know what the city is getting. Further on, one night in Bangkok and the world is your oyster. The bars are temples, but the pearls ain't free. You'll find a god in every golden cloister. And if you're lucky, then the gods, a she. So think about that. I'm not sure that it's exactly uh, applicable. Is that written by ChatGPT? Yeah. I don't know. No, that's that's uh, lyrics from the song Chess that whenever I hear, or from One Night in Bangkok from the musical Chess, that whenever I hear Bangkok ever, I can't ever disassociate the city of Bangkok and the song from the musical Chess. That's how my brain works. <laughs> uh, let's go to, uh, yeah, great, great, he says. Let's go to, this was a surprise to me, actually, uh, dare I say shocked, shocked, I tell you, about the temple renovation um, for the Manhattan Temple. Yeah, I think it was a song for most people that weren't in the know. Um, the church announced that it will be closing in 2024 for a three-year renovation. Um, 
that also another urban setting for a temple. Um, but basically they're kind of going to do what they did in Hong Kong where they redid the exterior of the temple completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see, we saw a rendering of what the new temple will look like. It will have a lot more art glass, um, a lot more art deco theme, which is, you know, kind of native to New York, I would say. Um, has gold columns, um, really colorful stained glass, and then a larger, more substantial steeple that's on there. And then you'll have a golden kind of a this huge um, kind of golden framed uh, t- uh, steeple. And Moroni will still be there. He's not mm. being taken off. Mm. So I, I think it's interesting. Tell me what your thoughts are on this, because I go, well, if it's just an outside thing, where were we 25 years ago? Why didn't we just do the outside thing then? And maybe that's, you know, that's, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking or some term that neither of us would ever be prone to use. But like, why, why, why would we do that now where there are temples? Cause it's not going to be cheap. Saints in that particular area are not going to be able to use the temple in Manhattan for three years. Like why, why do you think that that's significant that we would do that now when other temples could be built, other things like other temples that have mold damage, destruction, could you know, face maybe um, earthquake, some things. Why would we do this now? Yeah, so something important is that the church owned this building for many, maybe even many decades before it was a temple. So it was a stake center. And then they basically built the temple in the upper floors of this uh, building. And I hear that it's, you know, it's from the 1970s. So it's not necessarily a new building even. Hmm. Um, so it might need that renovation that these older temples need. And it's just a, a new way to, I guess, um, they said that they're going to upgrade the the stake center, the meeting house that's on the third floor. Um, and then also what's interesting is that the rendering shows a Christus statue in the kind of the doorframe of the temple, hmm. which can, I think they didn't say this in the press release, but I think it means that there'll be a new visitor center right there in Manhattan. So it's probably one of the temples that has the most foot traffic near it. So it's a good opportunity to have a new outreach center for the church. I like the idea of um, the Christus there being at the entrance and like that being where you have to show your temple recommend. I think it's a little bit more on the nose. I know that that, I hope that this isn't some sort of sacrilegious, but it's like you're walking up to the savior himself and being like, ah, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> well, I'm not quite where I need to be. Turn right around. They they kind of have this in the Hyde Park Chapel in London, where they have a Christmas statue right there um, by the door. Um, it's also notice notable that this temple, you know, it's a it's a, it's a stake center. It's there's some offices for the church, and so um, it's going to feel less like a kind of a building that's walled off because you can go there to attend church, to go to the visitor center or the family history center. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to feel like a more temple that you can invite people to that are members of the church. I love it. I love it. Um, we've got a bunch still to get through. We can go through them pretty quick. Uh, temple sites that have been announced. Yeah. The San Jose, California temple. Um, it will be built, um, in Sunnyvale, California, which is just outside of San Jose on Fremont Avenue. It's just about 10 or 15 minutes away from that Apple park spaceship building. that's in Cupertino. You know where that is? Mm-hmm. Um, going to be a single story 30,000 square foot temple it's gonna it's, it's where a current meeting house is so they noted that um you know the property's already zoned for a temple so you don't need to have some zoning change that hopefully the neighbors won't be in up in arms about this because it's already a place for religious use so yeah not like other places which i know <laughs> we'll talk about 
Uh, Bolivia. Yeah, La Paz, Bolivia Temple will be built in the Calacoto neighborhood, which I talked to a return missionary from La Paz, and he said that's the the, the best neighborhood in La Paz. It's going to be an eight about an eighteen thousand square foot temple. Uh, Teresina is that how you say that? Brazil, I believe so. Um, yeah, it's going to be built kind of in the center of town, um, just close to the one of the rivers that flows through the town, the Poti River. It's going to be about twenty five thousand square feet. And Natal, Brazil. Yeah, it's going to be built in the southern part of the city in Nova Parna Marim, I guess is what you say. Nailed it. <laughs> it's going to be a single story temple of about 20,000 square feet. So Interesting. There was an article this last week, uh, and maybe we can find it and put it in the show notes as well, about uh, how many stakes there are in the country of Brazil. Way more than you think. And in yeah. like the states, as Brazil is d- divided essentially into, you know, like state, like provinces or whatever um how many some of them have like 83 stakes and i don't know i got to get past this thing where i think that uh, the united states is where this is at the church is everywhere else it's bigger everywhere else than the united states what is that uh 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 um, centrist national i don't know i'm something <laughs> i'm something that i need to be yeah. broader that's what i am you're eccentric yes uh, you know what I also need to be? I need to be a citizen of the of Cody, Wyoming, so I can get on the, the board and I can make votes that don't matter and then have the mayor repeal them. <laughs> What's going on? It seems like a train wreck in Cody, Wyoming. It is. It's been um and it, for some the media covers this like it's a big spec specular. I don't know. Um so yeah, it was approved, maybe. Um, the planning and zoning board um, voted to approve the temple, and the church made some agreements uh, to restrict the lumens of uh, output and the hours that they would have um, lights in the parking lot, and they would have motion sensors so that when there's no one there, it's not shining. Um, they would turn off the lights at a certain time, and then they offered to lower the building height to 85 feet. When they voted on the approval, that w- the restriction was not in the agreement hmm. so it was unclear if the church still agreed to do that or not um and so kind of in response the mayor of cody has held off in offer in issuing building permits which is needed to proceed with the construction of the temple so um there's kind of some confusion whether they knew what they were voting for whether the church was you know playing hardball trying to negotiate um with them and so now the city council is kind of waiting to see if that what the church's lawsuits will do, if they'll get a hearing. Um, and then on top of that, the neighborhood group that's been fighting this, um, it's about 11 people um, that are fighting this. They, they also added a lawsuit and they want the judge to reverse the board's decision. And so um, it's going to be held up for a while while the judicial process goes out. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the news later in this episode because there was a great editorial piece that we'll share. Uh, Maybe I'll even read it because I think it's pretty well written. Uh, Shares the sentiment of a lot of people. It, it, I, I just, I mean, here's the deal. So the church now builds the temple. Say that they go, listen, guys, we're doing it. Lawsuits come through and we do it. It's a town divided. Half the town doesn't want this temple as it is. That seems like a lose lose situation and some people would be like well they don't the citizens don't understand the blessing that they get by having the temple and all that and i just don't think it has to be this way so i'm hoping i'm hoping that you know someone comes in and goes guys 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 let's 
let's what how how can this be a better situation for all and they you know they they look at it and they go okay well we've we've ordered these parts that have come in trucks and are sitting on the property and we just need to assemble them let's you know maybe that's a different temple somewhere else or maybe we need to go back to the literal drawing board and make something else we want a temple here and we don't want to be you know this point of controversy throughout the town it just seems like poorly handled yeah we saw in Tuila that the church just said yeah we're okay we're gonna move the temple if the neighbors don't like it we're just gonna move it to avoid contention and so um it's unclear why they're not doing that in this this um this location so well and in essence doubling down saying oh yeah you're a lawsuit well we'll we'll sue you i don't know i it doesn't make sense to me i'm hoping that we get um further information about all that i know we've got lots to get to let's get to the provo utah temple yeah, the Provo City Design Review Committee, they looked at it um, at the replacement that will be built, um, the temple that will be rebuilt after the Provo Temple is demolished um, starting in February. Um, they also It also noted that um, the whole site of the temple is going to change. Um, you know that big walk up the, to the empty, from the MTC that you go that's pretty steep to walk mm-hmm. up to the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually going to reduce that slope so that it's easier to walk to the temple, I guess. Well, the people get tired. <laughs> Okay. It's a long walk. No, it's going to be a little bit shorter though, because it's going to be a little bit closer to the MTC, and not as steep. And so then this new temple will actually be a little bit taller. Like um, I don't know how many feet taller, fifty feet taller, um, but be more looks, in the more or less the same size. It looks significantly larger though too. Perhaps is it square foot wise? Do I we think know? it's almost the same? Almost the same square footage. Interesting. It's a, be- a beautiful temple. It doesn't look a single thing like how it does now. And uh, there's a Moroni in the temple now. Yes. Yes, and, it, and there will yeah. there is not one showing in the rendering. That's correct. Interesting to note. Hmm. Hmm. Let's go to Guam now. This temple is reopening, but for a different reason. Yeah, it was damaged by a typhoon. Water damage came from the rain there, so um, now it's open again. So, and then uh, we end with upcoming open houses and exciting news that has not been shared about the. Uh, the St. George, Utah Temple. Tell me about it. What's well, news? so I got an email. Okay. I, I think it's a mistake. But uh, they said, hey, we'd love to have you come down for media day for the uh, the uh, St. George, Utah Temple. And so I'm going down with my dad, who when I said, hey, dad, would you be interested? I got halfway through the sentence and he said, yes, of course I would. He loves St. George. Less loves me, loves St. George. But we're going through uh, on the first day of Media Day in the second tour. And they do like the tours that we've dreamt of, the ones where people know about the temple and they answer all your questions. <laughs> and they, you know, it, they're small. Yeah. They're small group tours. So I'm looking forward to that. We're being a little bit ridiculous about it in that I'm renting a convertible and we're getting Hawaiian T-shirts that are going to match each other because that's wow. the kind of all out. I am. Yeah. But yeah, we're we're going down to check it out. So we'll probably do um, some some sort of social media live from the temple, uh, uh, you know, the temple open house. Probably not inside, but probably outside for a little bit. So looking forward to it. Be cool. I'm super jealous. Yeah, that'd be we'll cool. We'll see what it's like. I'll send you the email. There's <laughs> spots available. Really? Okay. Yeah, we'll get you there. You have to drive yourself and rent your own convertible. Sorry. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, other open houses that are coming up, though. Uh, uh, like- yeah, like uh, Okinawa is happening soon. Um, Lima, Peru. 
and then Orem, Utah will be happening by the end of the year. Any word, uh, my temple, uh, done, I think. I think they're just like working on the grass and stuff like that. Taylorsville, Utah temple. Any word on that? Not yet. Just mm. waiting an announcement. Come on. Come on. Fingers crossed. Because right now I, I'm a Jordan River guy, which is like five minutes further from where I live. Come on. Let's get the... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What am I? What am I out in the mission field? I love when people call it the mission field. All right. Uh, <laughs> if people have any questions, they can always contact at theculturalhall.com. I will pass those temple questions along to Corey K. Ward. He finds answers and he likes the challenge. So if there is something that you want to know, he gets in the Reddit themes. He travels to places so that he can ask the people about it. All the countries, he'll go and find out whatever he can about those temple. Uh, facts and temple tidbits. The temple ticker is what we call it. Corey, thanks for being with me. Hey, thank you. Hi, friends. Dan, the laptop man here from PC Laptops. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. Just check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Best DJ in Utah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall, because maybe, just maybe, I give a Cultural Hall discount. Uh, all sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a, a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative Creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half of this episode, we do actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. Joined uh, for news today, uh, we let Corey K. Ward get to work and we brought in, before she has to get to work, Megan the Mitch Mitchell. Thanks for being here. Anytime, Richie. Anytime. Kind of fun for you. Uh, I'm not too bad. Kind of fun to be able to do news second. Uh, so much Temple ticker news with uh, Cody Wyoming. And, uh, you know, you got the Saratoga Springs Temple I finally dedicated. And and uh, and so I'm grateful to be able to talk about maybe maybe some a little bit more about the Cody Wyoming Temple. Uh, but to be able to talk about other things in the news. Is there something that as you look over since the last time we gathered and spoke about news that you're like, oh, we got to talk about this? Um. Do you want the good or the bad? Ooh, uh, you know, I'm always a fan of getting the bad news uh, first so that then I can enjoy the good news. Do we need to okay. have some sort of trigger warning or potentially? Yeah. Young ears here. Okay. Potentially. So um, here in Utah, we're all familiar with the 
death of Eric Richens. He was poisoned by his wife. I think it's Kari or Corey. Yeah, Corey Richens. Richens yep. Um, there's just an article that popped up in People magazine about how his sisters were the ones who pushed for the investigation into his widow. Um, she was, I mean, we we know the story. She owed money to creditors and she um went through, through all of this um internet searches of how much what is the lethal amount of such and such drug. I think it was fentanyl, mm -hmm. you know, and um she gave him a Moscow mule and it was uh laced with um with the drugs and everything. Um, but his sister, Amy, said she has committed the ultimate act of betrayal, to say it lightly. You know, I, sure. I mean, um, Eric is gone and I'm brokenhearted. He was my best friend and protector. The feeling of loss is so great. It is visceral. Um, but within days of um, within days of him, him passing, it says that relations between Corey and Eric's family that had long been tenuous in the first place. They just disintegrated um, sure. several. Uh, um, the There was a family feud that was becoming public with dueling civil suits and just the whole, you know, gross situation. She stole $25,000 in cash and tucked it away in Eric's pajamas the night that he died. Um, so there's just some new information coming out. And uh, it was really his sisters who were like, yeah, something's a little bit up something something's fishy and um they uh hired greg scordis that's a name i've heard before yeah popular, uh, that, that's the their attorney. attorney in the state of utah yep yeah that's what i thought um and he says they pushed the police they kept their feet uh to the fire i think Corey underestimated what eric's family would do they're not giving up she has yet to plead one way or the other to the four counts that are lobbed against her which include sorry i've got to go back um several counts of drug possession ag and aggravated murder she has mm -hmm. not yet pleaded on those charges so well and you're, but, and you're and you're burying the most interesting part of the story that i think is she she allegedly uh takes care of her husband you know makes him no longer around and then writes a book for kids. I know. To say, it's hey, so gross. Oh, are you grieving the loss of a loved one? Let me help you. And does a, essentially a media book tour uh, about that book. Oh, yeah. So, so sad weird. that we lost him. So weird. So weird. It says less than three weeks after Corey's arrest, she emailed the sheriff's office to clarify some of the things that she had told them. I just want this over. She wrote, I just want our lives back and to move on and grieve and mourn my husband without looking over my shoulder constantly for you guys or the idiotic private investigator or the Richens family. Whatever mm -hmm. I can do to help close this out, just ask. Uh, it says if she's convicted of the charges, she faces between 25 years to life in prison without parole. Uh, the trial, uh, let's see, a trial date has not yet been set. The next hearing is slated for this Friday, September 1st. Uh, so also, that's the bad. <laughs> yeah, also interesting. So uh, they were building a home up in, I think, Midway or Heber. You know how yeah, Heber, Midway kind of gets blended. Uh, and um, it was a home that she really, really wanted. And mm -hmm. uh, something that he was like, uh, I love you dearly, sweetheart, but we can't afford this. And she's like, I want this home. That home stopped being made yeah. at the time that this was. And it's there. It's right on the side of one of the main roads. Yeah. And it's creepy. Yes. It sort of yes. stopped right in the middle of it. And now uh, there's it. the cows uh, 
are able to go in and out of the house. That's not a joke. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah you, you we see it every time we go up to Midway. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to take like staycations there and drive into Heber and we see it every single time and it's huge. It's monstrous. And I think that's where she had a lot of the drops go for a lot of the drugs that she bought. Isn't that right? Like that was like the dead drop location was this house being built. Yeah. Super creepy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what I'm, I guess, sort of surprised about and maybe impressed by humanity is that someone hasn't stepped in and bought that home and made it, you know, some sort of spectacle about this whole thing. Maybe when the case gets settled or, you know, maybe the people want to lean completely against it. But it does surprise me with the the intrigue and you know some of those things that someone wouldn't buy it up and go hey let's let's exploit this this is where this was come and be on yep. the place i don't know maybe maybe people are learning maybe we're being better than we ever were not likely yeah not likely no <laughs> uh a couple quick stories that i just thought were interesting here in uh utah in sandy suburb of salt lake city uh there was a shooting at an LDS uh, meeting house. Now there's lots of LDS meeting houses and they haven't actually been able to link it to uh, the church necessarily. A man in his thirties uh, experienced two gunshots transported to the hospital as condition not known at this time. But it, it is interesting because they have left it open to say it may or may not be related with the church. Like maybe he was there doing a church ball thing or like another mm-hmm. meeting thing, or maybe they were just using the church parking lot as a meeting place, as people often... For a duel. Yeah. A duel at 10 paces. Yeah, it was, but it was not at uh, dawn or dusk, I don't think so. Oh, okay. The likelihood of it doesn't count because of timing. I'm not sure that that applies. Uh, this I thought was sort of interesting. Uh, have you ever attended a timeout for women? I have not, actually, which is funny because it's kind, it's pretty up my alley. Mm-hmm. But um, usually, and anytime that I've, that it has aligned for me to go, like time-wise, it's usually been cost prohibitive. That's not been the recent situation but yeah it's i've never been i know people who go every year how would you explain it one sentence how would you explain a time out for women a weekend retreat where you hear inspirational speakers and you get a fancy tote bag there you go so now now you can have your own time out for women at home with the time out for women bundle i wish i was joking (laughs) here's the deal. I get it. It's cool. It's a thing that, you know, if you want to have your own uh, women's night or timeout for women or whatever the thing is, it just, it it feels a little MLM-y. And so I had to bring it. Cash grabby a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, a little cash grabby. Uh, The small gathering package was created to give women around the world a chance to enjoy the 20th anniversary of the timeout for women. It includes everything needed to create and host an atmosphere at home, gathering, friends, loved ones, anywhere, anytime. Hosts and their guests can enjoy exclusive access to Time Out for Women content and products, all from the comfort of their own homes. Uh, so here's the thing. When I think of Time Out for a Woman mm-hmm. in my own home, that mm-hmm. means me in the corner of my walk-in closet with a hidden candy bar that my kids don't know exists. Yeah, that's you know, that's, that's Time Out for Women in my own home. You there know? it is. Like, yeah. And and I get it. There's people in other parts of the world who would like to participate, but they can't because mm-hmm. of location. And and so in that circumstance, I think this makes sense. But here along the Wasatch Front, you can probably just go down to America First Expo Center or wherever yeah. and call it a day. Yeah, get yourself uh, get yourself one of these kits. And where's the timeout for men? That's what I want to know. Where is the? I'm teasing. It's church ball. Ah, 
Like, you know, I I feel like maybe that's the thing that like we would have said. I don't think people play church ball like they used to. I don't think they do either. I don't think they do either. I, I had a stake president say to me one time that if he had his way, there would never be another basketball court in a church building. Hmm. And I'm like, I agree with this wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I say let them have their ball. But I just, uh, you know, I even even driving by churches and, you know, you'd, you'd think a Thursday night or a Wednesday night kind of, yeah. you know, into 10 o'clock, you'd see the churches there with, you know, cars and oh, no, nope, I just don't see it at yeah. all anymore. I've got a beautiful, yeah. ginormous field next to my church house. You know how many times I've seen people in that field? Twice in 18 months. And it was for a picnic. One was for, we actually do this really cool thing. They do a harvest fair here where oh, cool. uh, everyone, because a lot of the people around here, it's a little bit uh, like uh, we're sub uh, suburban farmers around here cool. a little bit. People have a little bit more land. So they uh, they do it early enough in the harvest season that everyone just comes and brings everything that they're not going to eat. And then people That's can awesome. go through. And if you need, you know, you need that food or you want that food or whatever, there's, you know, zucchinis the size of your leg for days, yeah. so people can come. Is it, that. is it for the whole community or just your ward or state? Nope, whole or... community, whole community. They Has have, it happened yet? Uh, it happens uh, a week from Saturday. Dang so, it, we got out of town. Ah, well, I'll see if they can move it so that you can attend. Yeah, I would appreciate that a okay. lot. Right. I'm All kind right. of famous, so yeah, sure. Is, <laughs> oh, the Mitch, yeah, you bet. Yeah. Uh, any other stories that uh, impress upon your heart of which we should share? Um, well, in this week's installment of Saints Who Sport with Megan the Mitch. Yes, it is. Crack the bat, hear the ball. <sighs> Two BYU star athletes announce their engagement to each other. Um, Kingsley Suamataya from the football team and Nani Felatea from the women's basketball squad are engaged. They just announced their engagement on Sunday. Yes. Um, he's, uh, I don't understand all of the positions in football. Okay. He does something with, uh, shoot, he uh, with Megan the Mitch. <laughs> that's why it's funny, Richie. How, wait, how how does the article explain it? It seems to me like that that term would be in the in the article, and you so, just be like nose tackle. What is that? Okay, well, you know that. Kind of thing. <laughs> so he started twelve games last season at right tackle. Okay. He will anchor the left tackle spot this fall, filling the void left behind by Indianapolis Colts tackle Blake Freeland. Yeah. Because I hear I hear the position tackle, and I'm like, doesn't everybody tackle on the football team? I no. don't know. No, some people Apparently don't. Apparently not. No, Apparently some people not. catch the ball. Those are receivers. Huh. Some and then there's running the backs. Yeah, and there's running back. Those guys run. I mean, not to say that they couldn't tackle, but their, right. their job is to basically not get tackled. Gotcha. I'll figure it out. Quarterback throws the ball. Okay, I know that one. Okay. And he gets sacked sometimes yeah, if he's sacked. not. Great, great. There you okay, go. I'm getting it. Yeah. And uh, Nani Felatea, she was the only sophomore in the WCC last year to earn all WCC first team recognition. Wow. Um, she started in all 33 games last season from the guard line and averaged 15.3 points, 4.5 assists, and 3.9 rebounds and 1.6 steals. Jeez. Um, she started off at East High School and then finished off her high school career at Harriman High. They are both Utah natives. Um, uh, so Mataya um, was the star at Orem High. Okay. So and and he is a potential first round pick in next year's NFL draft. Jeez. So congratulations to brother 
Suomataya and Sister Felatea. So my question is, does that article say how long they've been dating? It does not. Because I heard that they met at orientation last week. That's most likely the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Because it's Art. Provo, see? Because it's, right. it's BYU. Well, and he it, walked up to her and he said, you're tall like me. We should get married. I feel impressed that the is, spirit is telling me. <laughs> I hope that that's true, but I don't want to ask because I don't want to no. be disappointed. You right. know, speaking of the BYU, you know, uh, let no BYU be different from any other BYU, according to uh, updates to the honor code and uh, dress and grooming standards for church schools. Church schools, you say? Yes, that's BYU Provo, BYU Idaho, BYU Hawaii, and Ensign, or if you're my grandparents' age, or your Ensign College, um, they now have uh, consistent dress and grooming standards and an updated honor code. There's lots to it. Um, I think overall, the overarching theme is to adopt a principle-based approach while retaining a set of common expectations. Essentially, the idea of let them you know, be taught correct principles and govern themselves a similar sort of transference to the for the strength of youth guide that was updated in october uh it also sets to simplify and unify dress and grooming standards uh across all campuses uh it better aligns the ecclesiastical ecclesiastical endorsement interview with the ecclesiastical responsibilities of church leaders and most importantly shorts you get to wear okay. shorts now at byu idaho this is huge that you could not before. No, I know. I went there uh, in 2002, from 2002 to 2004. Mm -hmm. And my semesters were summer and fall. Okay. And I hated that I couldn't wear shorts. Like I couldn't, we couldn't even wear capri pants. You, you know, like long the, pants or yes, a dress. Long pants or a dress. And it was the worst. And it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, this is a church owned university that has the BYU name. Why isn't it the same? Yeah. Zero sense. Yeah. Uh, what I think is sort of odd is when, when when you say this out loud, the university of which my church owns and operates finally allowed women and men to wear shorts to school in 2023. That statement seems very weird to me. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. The other thing that I really liked about this is that it takes the the ecclesiastical leaders out of the equation when it comes to honor code violations. I think that's really important that it it gives a very clear line that this is your responsibility as an ecclesiastical leader. This is your responsibility as the, the school administrators, you know, mm -hmm. that the bishop, their sole purpose is to worry about the spiritual journey of the person that they're interviewing. And that's it. Mm. That's it. You know, I think that that's that's a good a good distinction to have. And still no beards. Sorry, yep. fellas. Yep. A lot of people thought maybe this would be the change. Uh, there are a couple of other changes that are unique to note. Um, some people before, uh, those from the LGBTQ plus community, felt like that there was some space before um, perhaps to be able to, so long as they're living the law of chastity, be able to... Um, demonstrate love and affection for someone of their same sex. It has been clarified now uh, to say uh, living a chaste and virtuous life also includes abstaining from same-sex romantic behavior uh, as defined by the, the honor code. So I, I think that that's an interesting thing. It goes on, um, obviously, not to say anything about heterosexual individuals as far as romantic behavior, 
um, but does say live a chaste and virtuous life, including abstaining from any sexual relations outside a marriage between a man and a woman. So that certainly for some seems to be, um, you know, a, a, I guess a further clarification about how they feel about that, but also uh, there, there was a Q and a about the, uh, update and, um, one of the things that it said, let me find it. Uh, there are no changes to the LGBTQ policy. CS is deeply committed to helping all our students, including LGBTQ students feel both the love and covenant expectations of the savior. Same sex romantic behavior has been and continues to be contrary to the principles included in the CES honor code. Students are a welcomed and valued part of the campus community and share a common identity with every student as sons and daughters of God. Uh, then the next question, can members of CES campus uh, communities who identify as LGBTQ or have same-sex attraction be disciplined for behavior like going on a date, holding hands, or kissing? Uh, and then the answer, same-sex romantic behavior is not compatible with the principles included in the CES honor code. As in years past, each situation will be handled on a case-by-case -case basis to help each student feel the love of the Savior and to encourage them to live their gospel covenants and university college commitments. It's interesting because I think a lot of people have been able to find um, like peace. Some would say a loophole. Uh, I would just say, you know, um, I would say room within the language to say, listen, um, the law of chastity is this. I am, I experience same-sex attraction, but so long as I keep within the realms of the law of chastity, I should be okay. And this seems to just further clarify that that is not all right to do. So, um, because I'm who I am, mm -hmm. um, it also says hair should be clean, neat, modest, and avoid extremes in styles and colors. So my blue hair, am mm -hmm. I getting kicked off campus? You wouldn't be allowed on campus. Oh, <gasps> okay. Well, luckily you're not trying to get on campus. Uh, I mean, I am an Ensign College student, but it's all online. So yeah. yep. maybe yep. I'm okay. Yeah, watch out. Maybe not. Maybe I not. know. I just made it public. Yourself. Yep. Yep. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh, it, uh, other things to note, and um, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. It lists out the questions for your ecclesiastical endorsement as a student. Um, the church educational system is supported and funded by tithes of the Church of Jesus Christ. Are you a full tithe payer? Uh, I think that's sort of interesting that that's part of it. Um, yeah. do you obey the law of chastity? Do you support, uh, and sustain the first presidency and quorum of 12 apostles, prophets, here's and Revel revelators? It's very similar to, um, the temple recommend questions for sure. Are you striving to live the teachings of the church and keep the covenants that you have made to this point in your life? Interesting. Uh, there doesn't seem to be at least online at this point, too much attention uh, that has been drawn towards the LGBTQ part of that, but maybe that's, you know. I've only seen it on like Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts that tend to lean more to the more conservative side that are like, oh yeah, now there's actual clarification. You yeah. know, people who might already be in contention with certain lifestyles. Yeah. If that makes sense. So. Uh, yeah, well, and school hasn't been back yet and yeah. it doesn't technically go into effect until like today or tomorrow or something like that. So yeah, the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe that's where we see we move. We've got time for one more story from you, Megan, the Mitch Mitchell. Okay. Are you going to take Elder Bednar dedicating the Joseph Smith home? I am in fact. 
Okay, I figured as much. Um, six Latter-day Saint artists have been awarded. Oh, shoot. My phone got weird. Okay. Six Latter-day Saint artists selected for a New York City residence program, residency program. So, Richie, I know that you have interviewed people from the Center for LDS Artists, right? Or uh -huh. Latter-day Saint Arts. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they are they have established a one-week residency, and there are six um artists who have been selected in the fields of poetry, literature, choreography, visual art, music, and film. Um, these winners were all chosen by a distinguished jury after being vetted by discipline specific screeners. Um, they will go and spend a week in New York City in October. The residency aims to be an annual program wherein the Center for Latter-day Saint Arts provides travel to and from New York City, living accommodations, tickets to curated group and individual events and entertainment, and a daily stipend to cover food and travel in the city for selected artists. The center will facilitate tailor-made workshops and opportunities to progress the artist's proposed works throughout the week. The wow. group of six is the inaugural cohort. Um, the selection committee, and I want to see if how many of these you've interviewed, Richie. Okay. Sherry Dew. Yeah, uh, I have been a part of an interview with her, but I have never interviewed her myself. Okay. Stanley Hainsworth. Uh, familiar, but I don't know who that okay. is. Lance Larson. Uh, also familiar, but can't okay. place it. We're striking out. Yeah. Melissa Leilani Larson. Yes. She's a playwright. Oh, cool. And we've interviewed uh, her before. Yeah. Older the, episode. Like 300s, 200s? Well, I think, yeah, probably twos or 100s, actually. Nice. Go back yep. in the archive. Dion Nielsen Price. Uh, a composer. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Walter Rain. Nope. And Ricardo... Although that's my favorite Prince song, Walter Rain. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's the B-side to Purple Rain, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. It was the original uh, lyrics, and then they were like, nah, people won't know who that is. Maybe I should change it. Good call. Uh, and then Ricardo Rendon. Um, I hope I said that last name correctly. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, you gave it a little accent, so I... Well, it has an yeah, accent but... over the O. Sure, sure. Rendon. Um, yeah, super cool. And the interesting thing is, I guess, all of these artists had to propose, like, a project that they're going to work on. And most of them all kind of um, centered around some consistent themes independent of one another. And that has to do with immigrant and migrant experiences, as well as just connecting to family history, which was really interesting. Um, like one, one gentleman, Joseph Sawa, a composer from Massachusetts, he's going to write an orchestra piece tracing his Argentinian ancestors through their immigration to Manhattan. A visual artist from um, Georgia, Sarah Lindsay, she aims to use women's fashion trends as a means to honor and explore the lives of her maternal ancestors, women who migrated through Ellis Island and other city ports. Um, so, yeah, it's just really cool. They all kind of center around this 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 theme of connecting to our ancestors. Uh, really neat. Uh, I think it's going to be um, a really a really cool program that they're starting this year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and find the links to all of those stories and this one in the show notes associated with this episode. Uh, you queued it up. I shall bring it home, they say. That's a sports reference. A yes. Saints sports reference, I suppose. I'm batting <laughs> cleanup, as it were. Uh, the church has now dedicated the historic Joseph and Emma Smith home in Kirtland, Ohio. Uh, this is the home where Joseph and Emma Smith lived together and reared their family longer than any other place 
prior to his death in 1844. It's there in the Kirtland Temple Village. If you've not ever been to Kirtland, maybe you think of the Kirtland Temple, and if you know a little bit more, you know maybe that the Newell K. Whitney store is there. There is uh, a, a ton of different things. You could almost spend the entire day, in fact, you could spend the entire day there in historic Kirtland Village. They have the Newell K. Whitney store, a sawmill, an ashery, a schoolhouse, the Johnson Inn, the Whitney Homestead as well. And um, the home up in, so I served my mission in uh, the Kirtland slash Cleveland area. And when I served my mission there, the home, this home that they have now renovated, restored to be like how it was at the time of the Prophet Joseph, it was a home that you could rent. Like, not like you as in a member of the church could rent, but you could be like, ah, my name is Megan. I'm moving to Kirtland. I'm looking for properties, which I could just be able to rent. Um, you're looking for a good affordable rate. Uh, can I rent this place? And they'd be like, yes. And that was rentable when I served my mission, you know, 20 some odd years ago in the Kirtland area. We would drive by and be like, look, that's Joseph Smith's home. I think the people that live there right now are nice. I hope they keep it up. Church bought it, said we're going to restore it to exactly how it was, which means they took off some of the additions, et cetera, and made it back to um, how it was in the time. It's significant that uh, Elder Bednar um, dedicated it. I was uh, wondering about that significance. Yeah, yeah so he, um, well, okay, so a couple things. Um about that one i would say it's significant because um he being one of the younger apostles um it, it is my speculation that particular particularly with kirtland in the next 20 to 30 years i think that you'll see the church um playing a more active role they already are now than they were 30 years ago but continue to to build and grow and do the things there that would be one well, thing the way you describe it kind of makes me think of nauvoo what they've mm -hmm. done in Nauvoo with the temple and rebuilding Parley Street and everything like that. Is it kind of a similar vibe? 100%. 100 uh, and uh, there'll be a temple in Cleveland. So you get the sort of, you know, reinforcement, as it were, from the church with that being in the area. And it's interesting to note, too, in all of the pictures that I saw uh, from this dedication, uh, Locke Mackay, who is one of the leaders of the Community of Christ, the you know, reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they are working in collaboration through all of these things. They are together. They are, you know, talking of these things together. It, it's the first of its kind as far as I know, yeah. um, that intense of a collaboration between us and the reorganized or community of Christ. So significant in a lot of those things, I think also significant because, um, you know, future prophet likely of the church, yeah. Elder Bednar being the kind of boots on the ground for something like that, especially as we look yeah. forward to the church. I don't know. I think it's significant. It's super awesome. I'm excited to get back there, be able to see what they've done. We had uh, Gary Boatwright, who is in charge of the historical sites for the church on a little bit ago. Uh, he told us a little bit about this, but now maybe that it's dedicated. We can we can have him on again to yeah to chat with him again. I'll hit him up. Gary, I know you're listening. I know you're a fly on the wall listening to this. Let's chat again, specifically just about this. Um, yeah, he's been active on Twitter X talking about the, you know, how excited he was and stuff. I haven't read everything that he's posted, but he's been like, I know I'm posting a lot about this, but I'm very excited, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, 
that would be interesting to hear about the whole process and how they can do all the research and because like photographs didn't exist, you know, really mm -hmm. um, back then. I'd be really interested to hear that process. And you know what else? You should what? try to find somebody who rented that house. Okay. I bet I probably could. I know. It'd be so, so interesting. Like uh, the rent was good. The landlord, because it wasn't owned by the church, I don't right. think. The landlord, man, he's kind of crummy. Didn't, you know, had my heating go out. Could have got here really quicker. You there know. was a leak in the basement. <laughs> they don't have basements. Oh, okay. Like uh, the Alamo. The, the <laughs> I have figured out that joke, by the way. I'm not going to give you. it away. But now Thank every you. time you mention it, I crack up. Thank you very much. Anytime. Uh, anytime. You can um, obviously now tour it as part of your Kirtland tour. So make sure if you, uh, you're you going out there that you don't just do the Kirtland Temple, that you don't just pay attention to the new K. Whitney store, but that you spend time to be able to do that. Missionaries will walk you through and answer your questions as far as that goes. Megan the Mitch, that's it. Let's be done, awesome. shall we? Sounds great. I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. That if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, you'll be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of. Of. The Cultural, the Cultural Hall. Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row.